Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development, where we share original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We hope you join us often for practitioner-oriented content around all things related to leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page, and please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Ava Sadegi about utilizing remote internship programs to feed an overall DEI strategy. Ava Sadegi, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Hi, John. Thank you so much for having me. It is a pleasure to be with you. You're joining us from New York. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to be talking about something. We've talked about both pieces of this, but I don't think I've ever talked with a guest combining these two components together. And that is remote internship programs and DEI strategy. So how can we pull those two together and utilize remote internship programs to feed into our overall DEI strategy? I think that's a really genius idea. So I'm really excited to unpack that with you and to uh, explore that together. As we get started, I wanted to share Ava's bio with everybody. Ava Sadagi is a passionate social entrepreneur and co-founder of Simba, a venture-backed and all-female-founded tech startup on the future of work. Ava is an economist and researcher focused on remote work and workforce development. Prior to launching Simba, Ava worked at the U.S. Department of State in the Human Rights Bureau and completed a civil rights fellowship with Congressman John Lewis in Atlanta. She was recently named Forbes 30 Under 30 and a global entrepreneur scholar by the U.S. Department of State. Ava completed her graduate studies at the London School of Economics and received her B.A. from the University of Arizona Honors College. In her spare time, she enjoys playing the cello. What a fantastic background. And I'm, I'm really jealous you got to work with John Lewis. That is amazing. What an opportunity. Anything else you would like to share with me and my listeners by way of your background or personal context before we launch in further? Uh, no, I think you covered it all. And, you know, honestly, it was such an honor and privilege. And that's actually where I started working on Simba was with late Congressman John Lewis. So excited to share more. And I'm so grateful to be here. Wonderful. So why don't you just start by telling us about the idea behind Simba? Um, what you're doing there, what you're trying to accomplish, and then we can get more into the details of remote internships, how we can promote those, and how those can feed into DES strategy. Wonderful. That sounds great. And so I always like to tell the story and the impact and what Simba is just by sharing kind of the story of how we started creating it. Um, and it kind of starts with my own story. I was a student at the University of Arizona, really passionate about 
human rights and economics. Um, my family is from Iran. And so I saw in, in your background, John, that you even uh, study very focused on ethics. And that's something I was very passionate about. And I wanted to be a diplomat. And at the time, as you can imagine, internships in that space were not in Tucson. They were in DC, they were in New York, they were very metropolitan cities, but they were also unpaid. So I didn't really have access to them. And my sophomore year in college at U of A in Tucson, the State Department in DC launched a virtual internship program. And I applied, I got in, and I realized the power of remote internship to access opportunities. All my friends kept asking me, Ava, how did you get that on your resume? How did you do it? And I told them, you know, reach out to them on LinkedIn, offer to be an intern and say, you don't need a desk and see what happens. And so that was kind of the, the idea that sparked, okay, remote internships could be really powerful. And this is back in 2011, so over a decade ago, well before remote was even a thing. And so we really wanted to focus on how do we create access to these opportunities from anywhere. You don't need to be there. Um, you don't need to pay to do them. And when we started diving in deeper, we understood that companies are using spreadsheets and on average nine to 11 pro different platforms to run these programs. So we thought if we could reverse engineer and design the actual program experience to make sure that we could take it remote, then we can solve the problem for remote internships and even really in general, all internships. So we support all of them today. And to give you an understanding of what Simba actually is, it is a all-in-one platform that large companies with 25 interns or more use to streamline, um, manage all their interns in one place, provide an engaging experience and optimize uh, their conversion rates all in one place. So we don't recruit, we focus all on the experience part of the programs. Yeah, that's tremendous. And it, it almost seems like a no brainer today, right? After two years of the pandemic and so many people working remotely, so many people being forced to move uh, their their normal full-time jobs or, or part-time work into remote work, but also internships. And I, I'm at a university, uh, and so I know our internship office, they were scrambling like everyone else, and they were trying to figure out how can we continue, because we have all these internship requirements that you have to complete in order to get your degree. So how are people going to complete these requirements when the locations aren't even physically together, right? And so so this this idea today, I think, about remote internships is it makes more sense to people naturally. But like you said, it's not like we had to wait for the pandemic to be able to do this. And you, you were able to do it uh, over 10 years ago. And there's just so much opportunity. And I love how you focused on the access piece. Uh, because like you said, uh, if, if you're trying to do a high profile internship in a metropolitan city that's unpaid, it will be tremendous for your for your resume. It'll be a tremendous networking opportunity and, and career builder but how many people can afford that? How many people can afford to not get paid and work in a really expensive place? And the reality is most of the people who can afford that come from upper middle class or wealthy families. And so when we talk about access uh, to the underprivileged or the, uh, the disadvantaged, uh, it's, it's a big, big problem. Uh, so, so having remote opportunities really levels the playing field a bit and gives gives organizations an opportunity to select people from anywhere, which is a benefit to them. And it gives all of us, you know, I, I say all of us, I'm a straight cisgender white dude. So I, I have plenty of privilege, but for all the, all the people who don't have like all the embedded privilege uh, that they can have a level playing field and, and actually have an opportunity where otherwise maybe they wouldn't. Uh, so I think that is awesome. And, and I would love to see more and more of these opportunities come about 
uh, for my students and, you know, other people I interact with. So I, I, I kind of started to go there, but why don't we talk more specifically then about the connection to DEI? Um, obviously, access is an important piece of that, but tell us more about your thinking around DEI strategy and how remote internships can feed into it. Absolutely. And um, I couldn't agree more with what you said. And I'm, I'm deeply inspired and excited that, you know, you understand and you see the vision behind the work that we're doing. And so this is, you know, access to the workforce is so critical when we think about the C-suite and who is in these leadership roles. It really starts at the beginning stage. And economic mobility is very, very difficult and challenging with unpaid internships. So we actually just recently launched the paid internship pledge because nearly half of internships are still unpaid. And this is, you know, they're working. It's, it's, you know, I mean, when you think about it, they're actually supporting the workforce. And that's why we came up with the name Simba for symbiotic relationships where the organization's gaining value as well as the intern. And so when we think about um, these pipeline programs, they are the number one feeders of diverse pipeline at these organizations. And that's just the fact. That is the number one way that they feed pipeline. And so we do work with a lot of really great nonprofits like Inroads and Year Up that are very, very focused on this to provide diverse candidates and first generation um, students uh, from historically black colleges and all of these into these funnels to, to have great opportunities. And some of the spaces we initially focused on were tech. Um, my co-founder, Nikita, she's a woman of color uh, engineer. And when she was at Apple, she was one of the few women of colors in interning at the program. And so it's really, really important that we create more of these types of programs with larger scale, with larger access to all different um, geographies and not just the typical Ivy League or the typical schools they go to. They need to open up access, create more opportunities so that these can feed in. One other thing, in addition to internship programs, is the setup of who are the hiring managers and are the hiring managers diverse and do they show career project progression at an organization? So, you know, I say that internships are key and critical, but I think that's, you know, that's the first step. Um, and there's a lot more that we can do with DNI, but it's very, very clear with the data um, that internships are really the number one source of diversity for many uh, Fortune 1000 plus companies. Yeah, and it's because they get a trial run, right? You get a trial run with these employees. You get to, they get to prove themselves. They get to learn more about the company. So they know whether it's a good fit for them. You know whether it's a good fit for you. It's a no-brainer. So it's a really great way, far better than going through like an intern or a, an interviewing process. Like having an internship, that is really going to show whether or not someone fits, whether or not they can do the work, whether or not they can be productive. And I think organizations have known that for a long time yet they tend to disproportionately tap into these more privileged pools of candidates. Uh, so this, again, leveling the playing field, the providing access, that's all awesome. And I love the paid internship pledge. That is so important. I actually, I, at the university, so I, I, I lead a program, I know I'm a department chair. And so I, I deal a decent amount with internships in the internship office on campus and trying to help students in my programs get internships. And I have employers contact me directly sometimes and they say, hey, we need an intern for this or this or this. Do you have any good students? Blah, blah, blah. Right. Uh, that's great. And I love having those conversations and I love uh, helping line up opportunities for students. Um, I have to admit, especially in this labor market, when an employer contacts me and says, hey, 
uh, I have an opportunity for two students. Who can you send us? And I ask, well, how much is the pay? And they say, well, it's an unpaid internship. My response is, sorry, <laughs> I'm not going to pass this opportunity along to my students. I don't really care even who, what the organization is. Um, the, the reality is the bigger organizations do usually provide paid internships. But, uh, you know, if, if they're not, auto, not offering a paid internship for someone who's going to be doing meaningful work for them, uh, then that's a problem. And I think my students deserve better. Uh, and so having, you know, this pledge towards paid internships is fantastic. It also, I, I think it, it increases the chances of the student and the employer having a meaningful experience. So gone are the days where you have an internship where you go and like make copies and get coffee for people and go on a lunch run. Like you might do some of those things, but internships today should be substantial, meaningful learning opportunities where interns are doing real work. And if employers can mm -hmm. see that and they, they recognize, oh, this is actual real quality work. These are students who have uh, either completed their, their undergrad studies or are you know, somewhat along, far along in their undergraduate studies. They have preparation, they have knowledge, they have skills. We're going to tap into those. If they do that, then it can be a win-win valuable opportunity. And then it's a no-brainer to have paid internships. So I, I think that pledge is fantastic. And if it's okay, I just wanted to double down on what you said, because um, when you're not in a paid engagement, the um, protections and the legal um, aspects of HR also don't apply to you. So there's another added level of if it, you're not a paid intern, you also aren't protected legally. So there's so many other issues that I, you know, I find very, very problematic. And if you're not paying the intern, then what are the odds that it's going to turn into a paid opportunity? Where this, when we talk about economic mobility and internships being a, you know, uh, part of your career projection, is just how are you going to create this when you're already starting from that stage? So there's, you know, a whole host of other reasons that we're really, really big advocates uh, for this. And we, we've already talked about the pipeline. Uh, I think that's a really, really important point. That's a huge benefit to organizations. Uh, we've talked about the fit both directions so people can suss that out and really have a better understanding of whether this is a place for them. I just anecdotally, I can think back to, I did several internships uh, when I was a student, both at the undergrad and graduate levels. And each time, each internship I did, I, I think I did like four different internships uh, over undergrad and in my master's program, <clears throat> excuse me. And each time it refined my understanding of the types of jobs that I would do. And each time it actually encouraged me to do something different. Uh, and so I didn't actually end up doing any of the things I did my internships in. And I kind of did, took this meandering educational path that got me to where I am today as a professor and a consultant and such. Um, but that, that was valuable. That was valuable to me to have that self-discovery as I went through the internship process. Uh, it, and frankly, the, the organization didn't get saddled with somebody uh, who, who really didn't have their heart in it after I finished my internship, you know? Uh, and so I think it was a good thing for, for on both sides. Uh, it was a great opportunity for me. I, I gained skills. I gained a lot of knowledge and understanding. I also understood better what I liked and didn't like, and then pursued oppor future opportunities, you know, in relation to that. So uh, th those benefits are all uh, hopefully pretty clear to listeners. What are some of those other types of benefits say around culture um, or, or other things like that, that do, using remote internships uh, can help to build, uh, especially coming back again to the DEI strategy. 
Absolutely. Well, there's a whole host of things. Um, you know, before I even get into the DNI strategy, some of the aspects of um, building better managers. And we know that if you have great managers at your company, then you build great teams. Um, and an intern, someone who's entering the workplace for the first time, you do need to be very supportive. You need to be a mentor. You need to create psychological safety. And doing that in a remote setting is a really great practice for an organization to start to build and to understand how do we show up remotely? How do we um, you know, support our team? So that's a really, really important and powerful aspect for um, organizations. I think also for them to start thinking um, about what are our strategic recruitment practices and how are we um, you know, building our strategy around succession planning? Are we a very top heavy organization? Do we have the pipeline we need to fill as the organization is growing? Because, you know, we're in a recession right now, but the labor market is so competitive, right? It's such a fascinating, um, you know, as, as an economist, just like studying what's happening in the market, it is really critical that companies start to diversify their portfolio and strategy of recruitment. What are we doing? How are we thinking about our brand? And how are we attracting talent? Because gone are the days where the employer holds the power. It's all about the employee and they can move and you need to be ready to adapt. And internships can be a great way to learn how do we ramp up people quickly, make sure that we have a pipeline um, and also strengthen our brand. And I think that DNI, as I said, is, is part of a no brainer. It's also when you go remote, now um, you don't have to go onto every campus. So previously, university recruiters would go to maybe 10 campuses because they only had budget to do that. Now with re re like remote recruiting, you can you know, spread your wings, you can go anywhere and you can have, you know, like I had on Monday, 20 Zoom calls in probably like almost maybe like 15 different cities. I was thinking back in the day, I'd probably have max five meetings in a day, right? If you think about travel, if you think about all of that. So I think, you know, you know that is definitely one aspect. Um, and all these interns are ambassadors for you. So when you start to build great relationships with universities and programs, interns talk and they will tell their friends and they start to build that pipeline for you. So if you go to diverse campuses, if you start to bring and nurture diverse pipelines, it just compounds. People ask me, how do you have a women-founded company and how is your team so diverse? I'm like, well, I'm so diverse and everybody I've hired is so diverse and we come from communities that are diverse. So I think that's really, really important to think about all these effects compound each other. Yeah. And on the one hand, DEI is tough and I get it. It's, it's, it's sometimes a fraught, messy kind of place and the conversations can be sometimes challenging. And, and I get that it can be hard to move from, you know, diversity, getting diverse people around the table to equity, to where you actually have equal and equitable opportunities uh, and systems for everyone to actual cultures of inclusion. I understand that that can be a hard transition and shift for people on the one hand. On the other hand, as you just described, it's also not rocket science. It's you just make it a priority and a focus. You open your net and you create a bigger pool of potential candidates. Uh, you you check your biases at the door. And so if, if you think, you know, if you have a picture in your mind of like the stereotypical, like who's good for this position, and it's like a white dude, then you need to check yourself, you need to check your bias, and you need to take a second look at, you know, what you need in that position, and what the requirements are, and why those requirements are listed that way, all of those things, you just do some of those basic things, you start to build a team that's more diverse, 
you, that will then allow you to, to continue that process. You build momentum and then you start to have an inclusive culture where people just feel valued. They feel like they belong. They can bring their whole authentic self to the workplace. And it's, and then you don't have all those, those tensions that are always so fraught that people worry about and worry about, you know, putting their foot in their mouth, saying the wrong thing or whatever. I, I get that that's hard, but we can't let that stop us from doing basically the simple things that's, that are going to help us move in the right direction, right? Well, good. You know, as we're coming up close to the end of our time together today, uh, this has just been a fascinating conversation. I imagine we could go on and on and on and on. Um, but as we're starting to wrap up, uh, you know, give us some proactive tips that we can use. Anyone listening today that they can go today, they can go back to their teams and start to talk about how can we utilize remote internships, generally speaking, but also in connection to DEI strategy, what can they do today? What can they do in the next week or two to really start the ball rolling and to get this process going? Absolutely. Well, um, I would first establish and understand what are your business needs, right? I think that all of these things that we're talking about really don't exist in silos. They really should, you should really understand what are our business needs? What are our hiring goals and what do we need in order to be successful? And if you're part of the engineering team, understand what does that look like? What are we expecting um, to, to grow? And so first establish that, have really key conversations. And then second, really think about what are our recruiting strategies? Really understand what has been most successful and understand the data behind it. Unfortunately, a lot of teams that we um, you know, initially were working with, now there are a lot more data-driven. Where, you know, when we ask them some of these questions about what's your cost per hire, what is your long-term retention? Um, how does an intern compare to a fresh hire for a manager five years out? You know, understand what these metrics are so you can start to actually make really strong business cases for what you're doing and also understand, you know, where um, you are at within your industry. So start to create benchmarks and goals and have this a part of your strategic plan and initiative that feeds into the higher business objectives and goals and make this a reoccurring conversation. Um, talk about this, you know, be loud about it and, you know, use data to back these conversations. Um, gone are the days that, you know, internships are part of a CSR strategy they are honestly the most strategic recruitment practice. So we really encourage you to approach them as such. So that's my you know, top tip of the day. Yeah, yeah. And the, the, the data-driven decision-making, so, so, so important. Uh, that hopefully sounds obvious to everybody. Um, and I know that's an, an, an additional topic that we could explore. You know, how do we do that more effectively? But identify the right metrics monitor them, track them over time, and try to make decisions based on the actual data. Um, and that's, that's going to get you so far. It's going to help you sidestep a lot of potential issues, uh, and it'll help you keep your biases in check. All of that is going to be to your benefit. And then again, coming back to remote internships, just like with remote employees, uh, it's a tremendous opportunity because now you're not geographically bound, right? In a tight labor market where you're struggling to get good people, uh, and, and you can only select people that are within commuting distance of your physical office space, your pool is instantly limited in a major way. But if you can utilize more remote uh, distributed teams, including interns, literally anyone anywhere in the world, as long as they have good equipment and good internet connection and the time difference isn't too much of an issue, anyone in the world can work with you, work for you and help your organization be successful. So let's lean into that. Let's figure out how to do that more effectively. Uh, Simba's one approach to do that. And I think that's fantastic what you're doing in your organization. And I would encourage listeners to look into this more. 
Well, Ava, it has been a real pleasure. Um, I know at the time I need to let you go in just a minute, but before we wrap up, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, your team, and then give us a final word on the topic for today. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much again for having me. I'd love to connect with everyone. I'm very active on LinkedIn and I'm sure it'll be um, in the post below because my name as a, it might be difficult to spell, but Simba is uh, spelled S-Y-M-B-A and it's .io. Check out our um, paid internship pledge, sign it, join the movement. And if you are an employer, we'd love to show you what we're up to. Wonderful. Thank you, Ava. It's been a pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Ava and her team can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page. And please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.